DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined once again by Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. He's been on the show many times over the years, and it's time to have him back in with the Wildcats coming to town to face the Utes. Greg, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing all right. The Pac-12 football season is finally here. Are you tired of watching SEC and Big 12 games? Boy. I do find the Big 12 entertaining. <laughs> they score a lot of points and don't play a lot of defense. I feel like I'm watching the wacky whack back in the day. It was horrible in minor league football then. Now it's, yeah. you know, cutting edge. Yeah, I'm just ready to watch some familiar faces, though. Well, we've got Arizona and Utah, and uh, the last time we talked to you, you were uh, not very encouraged by the way things were trending for the Arizona football team. Have you seen anything that's made you change your mind or that should give Arizona fans hope and and maybe cause a little worry for Ute fans? I think since the last time I talked to you guys, Arizona's two best defensive players transferred. Uh, One went to West Virginia and one went to Texas Tech. Um, in fact, there are three best players transferred. The other one, a receiver, went to uh, Texas. He's really good at Texas. So, really, that, that was the heart of their defense. And um, they didn't have a good defense. But they have the, the, most, the most highly regarded quarterback they've ever recruited. It, it just doesn't seem to fit. It was one of Kevin Sumlin's last acts before he left Texas A&M. Uh, he showed up this guy and then... Uh, when he left Texas A&M, uh, Grant Gannell followed him here, and I mean, he looks like he's a he's a real thing. He it could to me it could be like a Jared Goff situation at Cal. Goff is so much better than everybody else on the team, but Cal still managed to be about a 500 team. Uh, and Gannell, I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL quarterback someday, but on paper and in the eye test, he, he's he's significant. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, he certainly has the physical attributes, and and I think golf is an interesting comparison because I think the one year, man, they really sucked when golf was the quarterback, and then the next year I think they got to a bowl, and then he he leaves the NFL. And as I evaluate the Arizona ball club, the one thing that I think they might be able to do to give Utah some type of scare, considering that Utah is putting in virtually an entire new defensive backfield, is the Cats may be able to have some kind of success throwing the ball. Yeah, and I know every team, receivers are probably the easiest uh, position players to get. And Arizona's got really, you know, capable receivers, not NFL guys, but they've got capable, like, six guys. So they might be able to move the ball a little bit on Utah. And Arizona's offensive line is the other part of their team that isn't bad. Um, So a defensively completely different story. But on offense, Arizona's – Got to be in the middle of the league. So when you say the defense is bad, does that mean the you know, the front guys are getting pushed off the line of scrimmage? They miss uh, they miss tackles in space and whiff on guys, or they have a problem uh, staying close to receivers and covering them? Where what's the real problem? Well, you know, there's one of the new analytics in college football um, is the havoc rate. And uh, last year, Arizona was 123rd in the nation in havoc rate, which is putting pressure on people or causing fumbles, whatever. And they brought in two new defensive linemen, transfers. And it would be nice to say they were transfers from, like, Kansas State or somewhere, but 
one's from New Mexico State and one's from New Mexico, uh, and they start and they're immediate starters. And you know, I'm not ripping them, but they didn't have they weren't good players at those two schools that aren't good football programs. And they're starters right now on the defensive line. And then a, a, a new guy is the other of the three guys on a defensive line. And they lost their two best linebackers, as I was saying. <clears throat> and they're, uh, I mean, they just don't have anybody in the front seven. It's, it's a, it, if Arizona was in the Mountain West Conference or even the, you know, the Sun Belt or something, their defense would still be toward the bottom of those leagues. And that's going to be, a, that's a huge problem. What type of defense does the new coordinator Rhodes prefer? He changed to a 3-4 from a 4-3. And they're hoping that the one change will be an outside linebacker named Jalen Harris, who looks like an NFL guy. His dad was a, is a legacy guy here. He was a second-team All-American when they had the Desert Swarm. And um, Jalen Harris is his name. And uh, he looks like he could be really good now that he can just rush from the edge without having his hand on the ground. And uh, if he develops, that would give Arizona – Three capable defensive players, I think, because they have two. They have two good cornerbacks, and uh, I mean, not not all conference cornerbacks, but that's how slim the pickings are. So that a good tight end would be a major problem for the Arizona defense. Ooh, boy, I didn't think of that. Yep, um, <laughs> something like Utah always seems to have. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, because they've developed this Keithy kid, and Frothingham is, d- is decent enough too. So, and then they got some new kid. I don't even really know about. They, Kyle's been pumping up a transfer from San Diego, not San Diego State, from San Diego. And so wow. he's yeah. So he's thinking, and and they've been pumping this kid up, and he just got eligible. He'd been practicing, but they just got the word that he's got eligible, and. Just listening in Kyle's voice, he sounds really excited. So even though that uh, whoever, well, we have an idea who's going to be the quarterback now and he's going to be a new guy, uh, it seems like they've got some skill guys around. And Ludwig came in last year and just did a phenomenal job offensively. So as I look at this game, knowing what I know of both programs, I just don't see there's any way that Arizona can win, in, in, you know, unless there's some bizarre no. thing like Michigan State coughing the ball up seven times against Rutgers. I, I was listening to, to Whittingham's uh, Zoom session the other day, and when he talked about Britt Covey, I, I could just picture Covey having one of those days where he catches nine passes for 126 yards, and uh, they can't contain him because Arizona's defense is just not there yet. 126 yards, that was oddly specific. That is going to stick with me, and if you nail that, it's going to bug me. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to bother me a lot. I, I, I love watching Utah when Covey was healthy uh, just because he could, at any moment, he could do something exciting. It was fun to watch him. Yeah, little dude, so we all root for them as far as that goes. Is there any kind of momentum around the University of Arizona program recognizing that this is one that ended last season with seven consecutive losses? Yeah, all-time school record. And um, um, they hired a really capable meat and potatoes defensive coordinator named Paul Rhodes. Um, He'd been the head coach at Iowa State, which is, 
you know, most of the times that's an almost impossible job. And he did a really, he really did well there for about three years before the odds caught up to him. And then they, he got fired after about five years. And then he, he went to UCLA last year. But he's such an improvement on who they've had on the defensive staff. And um, he hired two older guys, a defensive line coach and the linebackers coach, who've been in virtually every school in the country. I mean, one of them 68 years old. And uh, it's so, such an improvement on what they had. Kevin Sumlin brought in his buddies, um, and, and then he had to fire him last year in midseason because the defense was just really, really inept. And um, the one unfortunate thing that cost him a lot of support was he had the best, the most well-known player in school history was the defensive analyst named Chuck Cecil. And he elevated him as a defensive coordinator those last three games. And, of course, Cecil had no chance to, to make that defense any better. And so someone then just put him back as an analyst when he should have hired him as a defensive coordinator, you know, an assistant head coach. But someone's not secure enough to have Cecil, you know, the head coach in waiting like that. So... He went with Paul Rhodes, and that's about the best Arizona could have hoped for. So as you look around the Pac-12 South and you see that USC-Arizona uh, State game at uh, yeah. 9 a.m., uh, is that going to work? Or is a 4.45 breakfast sure. call just too early and this is a crazy idea and the league's grasping at straws? I think it'll be okay, you know. If you don't do it every week, um, I can picture I can picture Arizona State getting over in, in L.A. Uh, ten in the morning and tell everybody to go to bed at eight o'clock. But how many college kids are going to fall asleep? Um, but they their adrenaline will get pumping, and I'm really eager to watch that game. Who knows how good USC will be um, if Slovis is as good? I think Slovis could be the best player in the league. Um, and maybe USC could could win all six games. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't look. Where where does Utah play USC at this year? Uh, November twenty first, Kyle's sixty first birthday in Salt Lake City. Oh, I hope it's a night game. So it'll be snowing and cold, and then USC probably <laughs> wouldn't have much of a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we got a time on that yet. Yeah. I can, I can picture watching on TV and see Wayne come out in shirt sleeves on a night when it's 28 degrees. <laughs> tough guy. He, does, he is a fake tough guy, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you talked about uh, getting tired of watching the Big 12 and you want to see familiar faces. Well, you know, and uh, we've talked about this. I I'm, I'm, grew up in Arizona, went to ASU. You speak about familiar faces. And the problem with U of A and ASU is there's a number of familiar faces in terms of high school ball who are playing in the Big 12. You know, a quarterback at Iowa State, quarterback at uh, Oklahoma. You already spoke about Slovis, the quarterback from the Phoenix area, uh, the Oregon, the quarterback from uh, the Phoenix area. I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's a major, major issue for both programs, not just one or the other, but actually for both. 
And I don't know that the, I, I have this theory, and you can respond to this because you have uh, you've lived down there for a number of years in the Tucson area. But I believe that the heat just weighs on guys, and they want to get out, and they want to try something different, and that's going to be a perpetual problem for both programs. <clears throat> Arizona's linebacker who transferred to uh, West Virginia, Tony Fields, started here all three years. I, I read an interview he did with the West Virginia newspaper about a week ago, and he said, I'm glad to get out of the heat. Yeah. And I, it hit me, just like you said, that training, I mean, September is still hot here. September is still really hot. Right. So I, I can see that happening. And. You know, Arizona was, was really good in the 80s and 90s for 20 years. They were solid every year, a contender every year. And that's because they got all those Phoenix kids. I mean, they, their their leadership every year was Phoenix kids, and now they don't get any Phoenix guys. So how much of that is heat and how much do you think of that is technology? Because you can go anywhere in the country now and family and friends can yeah. see games and you can text with people. Yeah. It's not a case of, uh, you know, oh, uh, once a week on the weekend, you you got to call mom and pa and tell them how life is going so they know you're still alive. Yeah. I mean, you're FaceTiming with people whenever you want. Yeah, a combination of all of that. But that's a big one. I agree. Um, yeah. Can't let you go without your update <laughs> and take on Sean Miller. Um, how, how many elite level coaches have two years on their contract? He, he's got a year and a half left, so that's the message that um, they're going to let him walk. Um, they can't afford to pay him off right now because they're going to have to pay Kevin someone off too. <laughs> um, I mean, potentially both guys, and and given the situation now with everybody losing so much money. And this year is going to be kind of a throwaway year in college basketball, I think. And Arizona doesn't have the personnel to be a contender. Um, they had to get all European guys. So I would say they'll just their strategy is to let him walk at the end of next season. Or maybe at the end of this year he'll see that he's got to jump somewhere before the notice of allegations uh, results are made final. So I would say this would be his last year. Can they just fire him from cause and not pay him off? I mean, the notice of allegations, does that give him the window to do that? Because writing a big check is, A, difficult because you got to have the money, and, B, even if you have the money, it looks bad. It's bad PR at a time when so many people are getting furloughed and laid off, not just across society, but specifically in athletic departments. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a double whammy in that regard. Either one of them is a problem, and both are true. So can they just say, hey, you're busted, you're out of here and you don't get a check. They've paid more than a million dollars to, to attorneys so far in the, their own investigation, and I'm thinking those attorneys are going, the day we can say that, we're going to say it. Hmm. That would be my guess. All right. He uh, brings us up to date on all things University of Arizona. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Greg, thanks for checking in with us again. And if, uh, you know, snow on the night of December 21st, uh, or November 21st falls and USC loses here, we'll remember you called that. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on, you guys. Okay, thanks, Greg. I've also circled 126 yards receiving for Britton Covey on nine catches. Very specific, <laughs> PK. So those things get a little shiver like, ooh, that was... Nine seems an awful... Seems like a lot. Receptions, yeah. It's... I could see the 126 because you he's a, he's a 
guy who's tab- capable of going all the all the way. So sure. he can get an 80 yarder right there, and yep. he's you know two thirds there, obviously. So that wouldn't be that surprising. And then you factor in this defense that they're going up against. And sure, Britton Covey is one of these dudes that you know he is so easy to root for i mean the guy you listen to his interviews when he did the uh they did the uh virtual media day with the players and Mm -hmm. so they had one player there and every person almost literally every person who said you know they they had a moderator this is uh mike jones from the san francisco chronicle hey mike and yeah (laughs) every single one what's going on mike (laughs) (laughs) yes the guy is a dream he is just a dream in that area and i don't care who you are you are a britain covey fan and i'm just you know even if he was six two you would be but the fact that he isn't and he's tough as nails man go watch that uh Washington game from a couple years back. Gosh, he was just a punching bag, and he kept getting up. And he's tough. He's personable. He's so fun to watch. He reminds me of Reno Mahe with the feet, just yeah. trying to uh, trying to get a clean shot on the kid is just impossible. Yeah, the nine catches, uh, we should go back and try to find the last time a Utah receiver had nine catches. It seems like the ball gets spread around, you know, and that there's going to be a lot of people who might have three or four catches, uh, but the ball is going to get spread around. That's an interesting situation with the University of Utah receivers is because they haven't had a big-time receiver, but they've had some decent receivers. And so I think that leads to it. Now, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a big-time receiver, or would you rather have three or four pretty good receivers? Either one would be an improvement for what the Utes have done over the last decade. I would take either one. One big-time NFL receiver. If you could have Nikhil Harry, oh, yeah, sign me up. But at the same time, the last time that I think you really feared their receivers as a group, you started to last year. I don't want to dump on last year's group. That was the best group that they had had since 08. It had been a decade. You know, that 08 group had what you talk about. I thought there were really five or six quality receivers in that 08 group. And I think only one of them played in the NFL, and he was a return guy mostly. I don't think as a group they caught very many NFL passes. But they were really good college receivers, and they got open. The scheme helped them. The quarterback helped them. And and they made plenty of plays. See, I think they got good college receivers now. Yeah, and that's why I said I started to – and they've got most of the group back from last year. And last year was – I thought head and shoulders above the production that they'd gotten out of the receiver group for the previous the previous decade. Yeah, there was a big fall head, off. They don't have Simpkins back, but I mean, they, Thompson looks like he could be somebody. I've been a fan of Nakua's mm-hmm. uh, Samson. I'm 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 waiting for him to 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 explode. Now he's a redshirt senior, so it's now or never, uh, basically. Obviously, so I, I think he's he's capable. Enos is a player, so it seems like they've got guys. But that's where but, I think it's the, the spread around. Because you're right. If Samson Nakua makes a big grab and scores a touchdown, nobody's surprised. If Keithy does, nobody's surprised. If Covey does, nobody's surprised. Now, how many of these guys are going to play in the NFL? Hmm, I don't know. That doesn't, you know, it's, I guess I'd probably go to the tight end. I'm with you on that University of San Diego tight end, whose name obviously escapes me right now. Yuck, you're better. It's, it's Kincaid. 
Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid, thank you. Uh, yeah. The tone of Kyle's voice and the way he pumped him up. And, like, Kyle um, doesn't like to do a lot of hype, you know, but he does do it sometimes. And the uh, everything's a baseball comparison, right, PK? His batting uh-huh. average when he hypes a guy by name individually is very good. I can't tell you it's 100%. But it's really high. And it has been for a long time. He's always done this. Going back to Eric Weddle as a freshman. And Kyle's not even the head coach at that point. And he says, Eric Weddle. He hyped a kid. Well, how'd that work out? You know, Eric Weddle played four years of really good football and was making plays against Pac-10 schools as a freshman. And then he goes off to a long NFL career. So when he, when he says, you know, I like this tight, we got a tight end, a transfer from University of San Diego, Dalton Kincaid, and I like him, I'm thinking, well, you like Fotheringham and, and you love Keithy, so if this guy's getting named over, I mean, how good is this guy? I mean, did they just bring in Gronk? I mean, like, let's slow the hype train. <laughs> but, but seriously, Keithy's a really good player. Fotheringham's a good player. And so if he's calling out Kincaid, is Kincaid going to take time away from these guys? He's that much better? Because these guys have played, and I mean, if you go back and look at the stats, as, they, as Keithy figured out the college game and they figured out what they had in Keithy, like the season was broken into thirds, and the last third of the season, Keithy was great. Now, he didn't have a great season because he didn't have the same production in the first nine or ten games or whatever it is. But over the last five games, he was crushing it. They were running that fly sweep with him. They were throwing it to him. And it was just one big play. Every time he got the ball, something good happened for five straight games. It was just nonstop. Yeah. And so now you're going to bring Kincaid in over the top of that? Wow. Okay. But wow. All right. DJ and PK, coming up, we'll hear from Kyle, hear what he had to say to the media today. And uh, that we'll do that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Coming up, we'll talk about the rest of the NBA, what's going on out east Be as back well. east. You said out east. What's the matter with the out east? Because it's back east. It's out west. Why? Because you've already been east. Everybody came east to west, so it's back east. What year is this? Are you talking about like the mountain men? What are you talking about? Back east? You don't say out east. Because east isn't out. East is back. Out west. <laughs> Well, it probably stems from getting in the old prairie schooner and heading west, but it still applies. All right. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Busy morning. If you missed it and you're a football fan, 1280thezone.com is a good option. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker, joined us. This is the Cougars Super Bowl, Friday night. The Super Bowl's in Idaho, PK. Never thought I'd live to see the day. About time. Yeah. So David Nixon expanding on his thoughts there and the matchups and where there are advantages and where there are not and why this game should be close. Riley Jensen at 830, uh, talking quarterbacks, uh, pretty, pretty down on the way his Aggies have gone the first two weeks and worried about that Nevada game. Not at all worried about any impact the weather is going to have on the Utes and their ability to move the ball and uh, score against Arizona. Uh, Greg Hansen was on, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. He painted a grim picture, PK. The best two. No, the best three players have transferred. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One man's grim is another man's rejoicing. (laughs) Arizona State Sun Devil for the win! (laughs) 
Uh, all those are available at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, right now, we got Kyle Whittingham for you, meeting with the media, Zoom call today. Normally, he has availability game week on Monday and Tuesday, but with the election and the different schedule and the NCAA shutting everything down, they bumped it to Wednesday. So here's Kyle. This will be his last media availability before the youths play Arizona Saturday at 2. Here's Kyle. Kyle, a lot of the players that spoke before you had talked about how Devin Lloyd has really taken that leadership role on, and he's kind of the guy that, you know, if things go bad on the field or whatever may happen, he's kind of the guy to regroup. What are, what are you seeing from him this year that maybe is different from last year, or is this just more of a, an you know, expounding on, on who he is? Well, he's definitely stepped up his leadership role. Uh, last year he was a, a good leader for us, but he was uh, – I don't want to say overshadowed, you know, Francis Bernard and Lecky and and uh, Bradley, all the guys that we had uh, surrounding him, uh, the upperclassmen, he was just a sophomore last year, were more the the, uh, the primary leaders. But but this is his time now. He's uh, Even though he's only a junior, he's uh, elected team captain. And uh, we're excited about uh, what he's doing for us as a player and as a leader. His... Uh, his play is, you know, from where he came from when he first got in the program, uh, as a guy that uh, really had no linebacker experience, and you know, we knew we had a, a guy with athletic ability and and a big upside, but was he going to uh, achieve that and, and and end up, uh, you know, fulfilling his potential? And the answers are resounding yes. He's he's uh, done a remarkable job of transforming himself into a linebacker. And uh, like I said, he's, he's, he is the team leader on defense right now. And, and uh, it's great to see the progress that he's made while he's been in our program. Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Coach, what have, what have you guys seen from uh, Clark Phillips that has warranted him to be uh, starting at, at, at one of your uh, cornerback positions? Well, the short version is he's been one of our best three corners. And that's really what the objective is, is as we say, you know, all the time, we're going to get the best players on the field, not going to stack up a guy uh, as a second teamer behind uh, another player if he may be better than a player at, uh, you know, at another spot. And that's relative. You can't do that completely because you got to have, you know, X amount of corners and safeties and backers on the field. But but he has been uh, uh, outstanding since he got here. He got here last spring, which really helped him, even though we only had three spring practices, all the meetings and the, and the uh just getting uh, indoctrinated into our program that took place uh, since he's got here in January has, has really helped him. And, and uh, he's got a ton of uh, ability and he's just done a great job performing and, and getting better literally every day since he's got here. Josh Newman, followed by Steve Bartle, UteZone.com. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning. Um, does this game week, this run up to the opener, does this – particular one feel any different just given what's going on with the pandemic and the daily testing or does this feel like a normal type of game week prep week there's a different feel to it but uh, at the same time it's now that we're in into the actual game week and we're, we're in our uh, normal well i guess you can say normal yesterday wasn't normal having the day off but but uh, more or less a normal uh, run up to a game uh, as far as practices and routine it uh, it does have that feel but it's definitely get a different twist on it and, and uh, it'll be different uh, 
on game day itself. You know, we have testing in the morning and then our, our game day routine is different than what it's been for many, many years as far as uh, how we're going about it due to logistics. But but uh, the bottom line is we're excited to play football. Our guys are excited to play. And that, that's the most important thing is that we're, we're playing football again. And, and uh, our guys can't wait to uh, get out there and, and compete. Quick follow-up, Kyle. I know that you said that at some point here you were going to do a dry run from the football practice facility, get on the bus, go to the stadium, game day stuff. Uh, have you done that, and were there any hiccups with that? Yeah, we did that uh, earlier in the week. Uh, there was a few things that uh, that arose that we, we made modifications to, and, and that's why you do something like that. So you're not doing it for the first time on game day. The last thing you want on game day is a distraction or, a, or something that uh, – complicates things and so well worth the time we invested in it, it took us about uh, an hour and a half to, to run through the whole thing and and get it outlined and explained to the players and and uh, we absolutely did learn a, a thing or two uh, during that trial run and, and uh, hopefully we smooth things out for for this weekend next up steve bartle good morning coach hope you've been, hope you've been doing well um wanted to ask just with the receiver group uh, we kind of have we kind of know what to expect from Britton Covey and Brian Thompson, but what do you want to see from the other receivers in the room and also Samson Nuku? We we know what to expect from him, but what do you want to see from some of the other guys in the receiving room? Well, we pretty much know what to expect from all the guys that are going to play, except Money Parks. Uh, Solo Enos is one you didn't mention that's been around for quite a while. So, so there's really six receivers that are going to figure in, and uh, Solo and Samson. Covey, Brian Thompson, and Devon Vele uh, are guys that uh, have been in the program and, and uh, played good football for us. Vele, not as much as the other guys. And then uh, Money Parks will be number six. And we'll see how much further we get past that. That may be uh, as far as we get as those six guys. But but what we need is uh, big play uh, making and, and uh, chunk yardage, as well as uh, you know, catching the football clean, uh, very few drops, if any. It would be nice to have no drops, but but uh, that's a, a group that has uh, been productive during fall camp and really shown well. And and uh, you combine those guys with the tight end core that we have, and that's a, a pretty good uh, weaponry for, for the throw game. Chris Camarani, followed by Josh Furlong, KSL. Good morning, Kyle. Morning, Chris. Um... We've seen around the country some schools that have had players contract COVID and be unavailable on game days because of that. Have you guys been able to figure out, A, what your policy will be related to that? And secondarily, will you um, divulge who won't be available because of potential COVID positives? Yeah, well, the second part, we won't divulge that. That's uh, just how we operate. There's there's no reason to divulge who's playing, who's not. you know, when we get to the point where we're like the NFL and you have to make an injury report, then then we'll have to do that. But uh, there's makes no sense to to uh, divulge anything more than you need to. That's like divulging, you know, some of your plays or or your defenses, whatever. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And so we won't do that. Uh, as far as how we're going to handle it, that's all up to the medical people. We as coaches have no say. There's a protocol. If you get COVID, then you're in. Uh, quarantine for X amount of days. If you had a high risk exposure in quarantine for X amount of days, so it's all it's all mapped out with no flexibility and no no uh, uh, decisions to make. It's all it's all cut and dried. And uh, again, 
how the uh, how our medical staff and, and the Pac-12 medical people have you know they've prescribed a, a uh, protocol and we adhere to that and we just uh, hope for the best. But you're going to see during the course of the season we're sure uh, a lot of changes in the lineups because of uh, of the COVID situation. We'll go to Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Yeah, I apologize if I missed this earlier, but uh, has have you addressed um, talking about why Pete Tonga isn't in the, the too deep that was released on Monday? I addressed it. I haven't addressed it. Uh, and if he's not in the too deep, it's for one reason or another, either performance or injury-based or, or whatever the case may be. And so that's uh, – and we won't address that, as I just mentioned uh, – you know, our personnel is, is in-house and and uh, the opponent will just have to find out on game day as, as to who we have available and who's playing. Our final two will come from Trevor Allen and Josh Newman. Coach, uh, when when a Bronson Boyd uh, entered the, the uh, portal, were you were you shocked by that at all? And uh, was it was it just based off of him being a backup or, you know? Yeah. First of all, nothing shocks me anymore. It's uh, in this day and age, things have changed so much, just even in the last five years. And so uh, nothing really can surprise you or shock you. Uh, Mainly it was due to the driving impetus for him uh, entering the portal was was uh, he wasn't going to be a starter. At least that's my perspective. You know, he can tell you for certain, but but uh, that was uh, what was communicated to me. And and. He's a good player. We wish he would have stayed. Uh, but uh, he decided that it was in his best interest to uh, start looking right now for a new home. And, and so he was uh, a hard worker and a great member of our, of our uh, program. From the day he stepped foot on campus, we got him as a as a, a transfer from Texas Tech. He had run into some minor issues there. And, and so we gave him an opportunity here. And he really was, uh, like I said, a, a great uh, squad member. And, and, uh, but, you know, he's a junior. He's only got, uh, well, this year doesn't count. So he's got a couple years left. And, and with the youth in the corner group that we have and, and the guys that are uh, scheduled to start being freshmen and sophomores, he decided that uh, it was maybe better for him to, to move on. We will wrap up with Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, this is the last time that we that we get to speak to you or anybody else before Saturday, so I'll take a shot. Are you willing to tell us who the starting quarterback will be? No, I would not be willing to do that. And uh, it's again, it, it may seem kind of like silly gamesmanship, but but uh, if you're preparing for for a, a team and. And the more you know, the more chance you have to prepare correctly. So why would we divulge anything that uh, we don't have to? And so, uh, no, short answer is no. And, and uh, you'll see on Saturday uh, who the starter is, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for playing along there, Kyle. Yeah, playing along, okay. All right, there's Kyle Whittingham, his final media availability. He doesn't want to tell us who it is. Fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's leaking like a sieve. <laughs> Unless it's disinformation. It's not. Unless I got people lying to me. That's what disinformation is. Lying. Yeah, I don't know how but I don't know how you go back to a person if you bullface lied to somebody. Yeah. You know, I don't see how you could do that. Uh Money Parks, that's an awesome name for a wide receiver. He's played his way as a freshman into the uh, 
the guy. the main six. He's a, he's a five ten kid out of uh, yeah. Texas. Texas, and he's a true freshman. His first name is uh, Monterin, something like that. Yeah, it is. It's, everybody calls him Money, uh, but uh, yeah, he's a small guy, five ten. Uh, so you know, we'll see. But I mean, Kyle's mentioned him a few times, so it must be. So he's he's not going to mention the the kid multiple times, like we just saw talked about in the prior segment with Dalton Kincaid. A kid from Vegas, the new tight end, who only played football his senior year in high school, 6'4", 240, uh, and then goes to San Diego, and now he's going to be with the Utes. And just, man, if you're right, if he's good, and all of a sudden, man, they got a whole bunch of tight ends that they I'd, can count on, which bodes well, you know, the better, more. I'd, yeah, I thought they got better. good production out of their tight ends last year, and if they're bringing yeah, in someone yeah. who's over the, you know, recruiting over the top of what's there, all I, that I kind of stuff. I don't know if he's better than what they have, though. I can't say that. Maybe he I is, can't, but I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, we haven't seen any practices. I don't no. know. All I have to go on is the enthusiasm in Kyle's voice and his willingness to name him, uh, name him by name. Uh, that's redundant. Uh, to name him by name. Uh, just name him, yeah. yeah, to just name him, uh, you know, that definitely makes my ears perk up because usually when Kyle does that about somebody we don't know, it turns out that that player ends up being really good. It's not 100%, right. we but have the to odds go are. On his word. Yeah. I do miss not being able to be there. I can remember Jake Murphy coming off his mission and didn't know a whole lot about him because I don't pay a whole lot of attention to high school football. Uh, and I remember watching him just after. You know, a couple practices. I thought hey, this kid's going to be a player. He's going to be one of the better tight ends because tight end for years wasn't a much, very much utilized position for Utah. And sure enough, he was a very good player. And when he was healthy, he really added a lot. And I'm not seeing that because I'm not allowed to be up there with this Kincaid. So I have to take their word for it. The good thing about it, though, as I've said many times, you can play this cat and mouse game all you want, but we'll see for ourselves on Saturday. And I do agree with Kyle. I, I think it does border on silly gamesmanship. But he's determined that it is important, so you're not going to budge him off that, so just don't even bother. And when Cam or whoever the quarterback is takes that first snap, well, then we'll see for ourselves. When uh, they talk about Bronson Boyd tra- uh, transferring, that doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. It's a free year. You're you're not going to play anywhere this year anyway. I know, I know. But you might play in the six <laughs> games here. Some of these. Oh, he and would I'm, play. He would play. And I'm sure his. Uh, you might play a lot, and you might end up starting. Uh, you're right. They rotate Possibly. through defensive backs, yep. but between guys who maybe don't perform because they're freshmen, and you put them under the lights, and it doesn't happen. Guys who get hurt, uh, you you might. And then if you want to transfer at the end of the year, I get your pride oh, is hurt because be you got logic. passed over. But yes, logic, PK. <laughs> So Embrace logic. Who, I, I, I get all you're saying, but the, you just you zero factored the emotion, and he's waited, waited. He's waited behind NFL guys. You can wait behind NFL guys, right? Because they're NFL guys. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. So and now, you wait freshman, your time, and then you think you're going to get it, and it doesn't come your way, and you're in the two deep, which is not exactly like being in the ten deep, uh, but nevertheless, you get bugged. And so you leave. I mean, it's like Kyle said, nothing surprises him anymore. It's basically a revolving door, and it'll even become more of a revolving door, as we've seen already a number of kids that have gotten waivers to be immediately eligible, and then they're going to have the one-time transfer rule. Looks like it's going down in time for next season. So you just got to roll with it, man. From from his perspective, sure. But from the football, in terms of not under, uh, I don't understand it completely either. But from the... Uh, football perspective of Utah, 
it's not who you don't have, it's who you have. And if you got guys that you believe are better than him, then that's great. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right, it's time for your feedback. What do you think about all the stuff you've heard during this show? True story. Both of you sang that same lyric right before we went on air at the exact same time. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, I, I have a connection. I told you my wife taught at the same school that O'Shea Jackson attended. This and is that true. Is Ice Cube to you. Washington Prep. You have brainwashed us with that song. We've heard that so many times. It's just. We're Pavlov's dog. You you ring the bell and I it was, start. It was just funny that both of you in queue in two different locations simultaneously. <laughs> Tom tweets at us. Uh, we were discussing Utes receivers and the receiver group and the tight ends and all. He says Utes wide receiver talent has not been the problem. Philosophy, period. Implied that has been the problem. Well, certainly, Socrates here. I think he means the wide receivers are attracted to spread offenses that are throwing the ball all over the field, and I'll I'll go with that to a point. But they've had some bad play at wide receiver. They have had guys not catch catchable balls, not go catch 50-50 balls, not be able to get separation running routes. And I think that the play at wide receiver has been improving. And if there's ever been a time where I think you can say. Um, you know, that winning winning leads to more winning. Uh, you know, as they won, they were able to recruit better wide receivers. When you have a running game that's that good, you're still throwing the ball 20 times a game, 25 times a game, even if you're running the ball 40 oh, or 50. Football, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so the play-action play game ought to be there. Any wide receiver should be able to look at that and think, I'm the best wide receiver. They're going to have to throw it sometime. They need to throw it to me. Are you going to get most of the wide receivers? No, you're not beating USC out for wide receivers. Not in the current era the way USC is, is going. It's not happening. And you're not beating out Oregon. And if you don't get Nikhil Harry, well, that's the way it goes. But you can still get good college wide receivers. And, you know, the philosophy is not the problem when the receiver's falling down and it hits it in the hands and bounces up in the air and Washington intercepts it for the only touchdown in the conference title game. That's not a philosophy problem. Interception by Brian Murphy, who played high school ball in Arizona. No, I went to Washington and left because of the heat. You're going to get more Arizonans to sign off that. Well, you're gonna, if, you're, if you're down there, you know what I'm talking about. Right. And if you ask national people, they're not onto it yet. Because you asked someone, and I don't remember which of the national. You asked Yogi Roth. Oh, I asked Yogi Roth. Was that it? I thought it was. it off. Okay, yeah. Well, you can tell Yogi, Yogi, go ask Greg. Go ask everybody in Arizona. Well, people who've lived there. Yeah. He'll get up to speed. He'll figure it out. It's, it's supposed to be 97 today. <laughs> this is November, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's 97. That's now, August cool in off, Utah. As we, cool off. <laughs> yeah, as, as we cool off, it'll cool off. And then everyone's so excited. Believe me, I talked to my sister yesterday. And they're ready. They are ready for their December weather. My, my sister's a hardcore liberal. She told me, and she's older. She's, there, she's several years older than me. And uh, she told me she was so fed up about this virus. And I said, well, then you're in luck. Your guy's going to solve the problem. Haven't you been paying attention the last several months? And that's just a political thing. I was a sidelight. But, uh, <laughs> Stir the pot. Well, it's true, man. I only know what I hear. Yeah. You know, all men uh, created. It's the thing, you know. Yeah, so um, I do think it's an issue with the receivers. But I do think that it's particularly in the West a couple things I wanted to say that uh, if you're getting recruited by Utah, you're excited because they're a player. 
they're now a player, at least minimally, regionally, and that's a broad region. The thing that bothers me on the receivers is the younger Nakua and a guy like Fajoko. I don't blame them for leaving. They have every right to leave. But if I'm Utah and I'm a Utah fan, I'm irritated, just yep. like I spoke about the Arizona dudes, and I can name them one by one who have left the state. Yep. I, I get that, um, you know, but it doesn't matter who you don't have. It matters who you do have. And, and you know, this, in, this improved uh, play, not just by the receivers, but by the tight ends, also can lead to more good things down the road. So it's been a – if, if you just focus on that group, you know, it's been a painful run. But I think the arrow is clearly up the last couple of years. It looks encouraging this year. So to a certain degree, we might be, uh, you know – Grinding our, grinding our teeth over five-year-old news. Yeah, and also at the same time, the flip side of it is you've had great rushing attacks. Yeah. But if you had, it, it really feels like that's the missing piece. You know, for a while we talked about, well, the linebackers aren't quite good enough. But that is grinding your, your teeth over seven- or eight-year-old bad news, right? That's, that trended up before the receivers did. So it's yeah. getting closer to, hey, complete team, legitimate chance to win the conference title. Probably not this year because they're replacing so many guys. But it, it's, you know, it's intriguing. Yeah, right back at it next year, as far as right. I'm concerned. Yeah. All Particularly right. if Rising is the guy, because then he'll have a year of experience, or at least a partial year, to be able to ready to be ready to go next season. Something is better than nothing, right? And have some yeah. games under his belt. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Scotty and Hands are coming up next.